Hi, I'm Edward from Supermetrics, and this is the Marketing Intelligence Show, the podcast that empowers marketing leaders to work better with their data and make sure every marketing dollar counts. Now let's get into today's episode. So, all right, we are back for another episode of the Marketing Intelligence Show. And we're back with Evan Kading, Lead Solutions Engineer at Supermetrics. So Evan, great to have you back on the podcast. Great to be here, Edward. Thanks yes. for having me. Yeah, always a, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, now, I want to start with something that you said when we were actually in a meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was a super interesting thing you said, and that was most marketing problems are marketing data governance problems. So to kick things off, can you just dig into that and explain what did you mean by that? Yeah, so when we talk about marketing problems, what I often see is that marketing problems are often actually um, realistically masquerading as marketing data governance problems. And what what exactly do I mean by that? I, I mean that if you're faced with problems in your marketing in terms of you don't know which campaigns are running, you don't know uh, if you're getting close to budget, if you're underspending, if you're overspending, if you're not sure if your attribution models are working correctly, you're not sure uh, how much credit you should assign to campaigns, or you're not sure if your pipelines are running correctly, you're activating that data for the right personas for the right audiences. Um, A lot of these, in fact, most of them, I would argue, can actually be traced back to marketing data governance problems. If you have good marketing data governance, your campaign reporting and monitoring can actually be significantly improved so that each one of your campaigns has a very specific set of objectives, a set of metrics associated with them, and dashboards created to monitor and proactively maintain those. If you're looking to understand which campaigns are the most effective, well, again, that's going to come down to making sure that your tagging is set up, your campaign naming conventions are broadly aligned, and that you've got the tools that you need in order to do the analysis that you might need, whether that's MMM, MTA, last click attribution, or anything like that. And similarly, if you're activating on data, if you're pushing out those custom audiences or sending emails to customers, you want to make sure that your segmentation is on point. Sending out targeted messages to individual customers based on your own internal data is going to be, of course, most effective if you have proper governance and proper organization of that data. So when marketers talk about we want to make our marketing more effective or we want to uh, measure the effect of our marketing more, a lot of that actually comes down to what kind of data are we generating and what is the quality control over that data look like. And ultimately, those fall well within the domain of marketing data governance. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll dig into the the model and and what marketing data governance is in in more detail later on. But another thing that I wanted to pull out at the start is that we were doing some research recently, which showed that over 50% of marketing leaders struggle with unreliable, siloed, and scattered data. And essentially, they don't trust their data. So I mean, how can you operate effectively if marketing and data leaders don't trust their data? Yeah, it's it's really difficult is what it is. So, And you end up doing a lot of the same work repetitively, uh, which is unfortunate, right? There, there's enough work in marketing to go around, as, as I'm sure we all know. Um, and if you want to ensure that your team has time to 
focus on what's actually going to matter, what's going to make your brand differentiated, whether that's by putting the right ad in front of the right person at the right time, or whether that's crafting a message that's truly unique and showcases your USP to your customers. Um, you, you want to be focusing on automating everything that is automatable. And with that, part of it becomes, let's make sure that our campaign monitoring and reporting are as automated as possible. Let's make sure that our insights and analytics are as streamlined as possible so that we don't have to recreate the wheel every single time. So once you've invested in a taxonomy that shows your marketing campaign naming conventions, that gives you the ability to proactively monitor your dashboards, build those reports, whether you're building those reports for in-house stakeholders or for clients, once all of those pieces are automated, you can actually kind of pick up the slack uh, with the time that you would otherwise save or otherwise be spending on some of these tasks that can be automated and invested in higher ROI activities. Like I said, investing in messaging and differentiated capabilities. So of course, if you can't trust that data, it's going to require you or someone on your team most likely to go in manually look at that data, scrub it, uh, make sure that it's correct, fact check it, give it an eyeball check. And we can we often see at Supermetrics that reports that are not fully automated can take anywhere from five to 10 times as long to produce. Um, that's five to 10 times as long as realistically you should be working on uh, you know, for hand curating that data. So that's really what the trade-off ends up becoming is if you can't trust your data, someone's going to have to go in and do that work manually. And that manual work takes up a lot of time, takes up a lot of energy, and detracts from what are ultimately very strategic products and projects that your team might otherwise be producing. Yeah, absolutely. So let's then just take a couple of steps back, get into the solution marketing data governance. So I mean, it it doesn't sound super jazzy, but it is super critical as you spoke about. So two parts here. What is then marketing data governance and why do marketing teams need to invest in strong marketing data governance? Yeah. So, so first, what is the model and, and how do we discuss it? And then second being, you know, why is this actually important? So uh, the three pillars of marketing data governance that we talk about here at Supermetrics are data access, data quality, and data security. Let's dive into each one. Data access is making sure that the right people have access to the right data to do the jobs that they need to do. Um, this is really just fundamental, right? So making sure that you have your team given access to the paid ad accounts, the analytics accounts, the uh, websites, um, you have access to all of the tools that you need in order to ensure that you can actually do the analysis that you need on your campaigns. That's a big part of just making sure that things work because I can't tell you how much time is wasted in credential sharing, uh, especially on the agency side between clients and between um, media planners on the agency side. Um, I, I've been through the onboardings of many different customers and I've seen uh, in the agency world and I've seen all kinds of password sharing. I've seen all kinds of insecure practices. I've seen weeks and weeks, sometimes months, uh, that it takes just to get access to the right data in order to do the analysis that's actually necessary. So data access, although if you have your systems in place, this can end up being done in a matter of hours, potentially days. Uh, for many customers, this just isn't solved yet and can take weeks or months potentially to get access to the right data in order to do the analysis you need to do. 
Data quality is what we refer to when we talk about things like naming conventions, media taxonomy, um, tagging infrastructure, those kinds of things. So we put marketing out in the world that generates a lot of data. It's going to generate cost and clicks and impressions and you know hopefully some conversions as well if we're doing things right. But when that data comes back, it's important to analyze it and see what kinds of campaigns are actually working most effectively. And if you don't have an organized system around that, that jobs can be very difficult. Same thing if you're not checking to see if you're overspending, you're underspending. Of course, you could use cost caps, for example, in your media trafficking tool, whatever that happens to be, in order to make sure that you're not uh, you're not you're not hitting those. But are you necessarily getting the optimal allocation there? Um, real-time or near real-time quality data monitoring associated with that is going to really be the best way that you can ensure that you can be spending close to or hopefully exceeding your targets as well and monitoring that for the uh, different ways that you look at it. So that's data quality. Data security is what we talk about when we talk about uh, it's it's a subcomponent of data access where we say, okay, data access is unblocking the barriers to make sure that people have access to the right data. Data security is a couple of different components. Number one, we need to make sure that nobody has access to data that they shouldn't have access to, right? So um, that's just really kind of the basic kind of information security uh, component of marketing data governance. So making sure that, you know, hey, these vendors or these external contractors that we're working with of course, marketers work with uh, you know, website developers, work with agencies, work with um, oftentimes uh, you know, freelance writers, for example. And too many times I've seen that uh, you know, access has been granted to someone who either no longer works at the company or you know, a freelancer that you know, hasn't been hired in, in, in years and years. So this is part of who has access to the data. It's also part of data sovereignty as well. As a company, where is your data stored? Um, is it GDPR compliant? Client, are you complying with local laws and regulations? Um, you know, is it in the country in which your uh, your operations are taking place? And then further, are you respecting the wishes of the customers that you're actually working with, obtaining consent, storing that consent, and do you have frameworks in place to ensure that you're remaining compliant? So, data security is kind of the I'd call it like you know the hard. Uh, the hard piece, like the, you know, kind of the hard piece of, uh, of data, of data governance, essentially data access being the accelerator that makes sure you can get things done and data quality, making sure that when the data comes in, you can actually start using it to understand the effectiveness of your campaigns and ultimately the uh, success of your marketing initiatives. Yeah. Awesome. So that was the, the what of marketing data governance. And I think we could go into those three pillars in a little more detail. So we had data access, we had data quality, and we had data security. So let's go back to data access at the top. So if we just go into a bit more detail here, then who should then have access to what kinds of data within an organization? What are the typical data access models? And you know, we hear terms like people are data owners, or data guardians or data stewards uh, is, is another term I've heard. So could you just kind of open up the topic of data access a little more and, and talk in terms of who should be having access to what within an organization? Hmm. 
Yeah, and we've we've actually thought about this quite a lot at Supermetrics, and it's it's one of the things that uh, a lot of marketers really like about the products that we have. So we've invested in a set of features that we now call shared connections, and this is a tool where marketers with access to the data sources that uh, they want to use for analysis can, with their own credentials, log into these platforms using Supermetrics and basically use all of the tools of Supermetrics with their data source access. For example, to analyze data in Google Sheets and Looker Studio in a data warehouse environment, use our API, et cetera, et cetera. The key here is we optionally give the uh, the ability for that data source owner to make that connection either private or shared among their team members. And that's really important because, for example, something like Google Analytics that's not going to contain uh, personally identifiable information, or at least it shouldn't if you have proper data security and, and governance in place, um, you will, of course, probably be in a case where that is okay to be shared among your immediate team members, right? You probably don't want all of your freelancers or all of your contractors or all of your you know, writers to see access to it. Uh, maybe you do in some cases, right? But overall, the, the relative risk of that data being used for malicious purposes is, is relatively low in most cases, right? Exceptions do, do happen, but that's, that's probably a reasonable analysis for analytics data. Now, if we're talking about CRM data, that's, that's a pretty different story, right? Especially depending on the sector that you operate in. If you're talking about connecting to HubSpot or Salesforce or something that's going to contain personally identifiable information, again, first names, last names, email addresses, phone numbers, home addresses, those kinds of things, that's going to have a pretty important level of security associated with it. So you might only want the actual owner of that platform to use it. That's okay, and we understand that at Supermetrics, you can connect that to Supermetrics, and that person can mark that connection as a private connection. That way, only that individual person can access it. So we want to make sure that you can actually use Supermetrics in the line of products with as many data sources as you want, but also maintain the security and convenience associated with those if there are cases where you actually need to restrict the use of that data for, for certain pieces there. That's the data access piece. Uh, should we jump into data quality and security as well, Edward? Yeah, I think that would be good. I think, uh, you know, moving on to the second one, data quality, you kind of touched on that earlier. But digging into that in more detail, and, you know, this is something we spoke about when you were last on the podcast talking about um, decentralized and centralized data is the, the classic crap in, crap out piece that your data will only be as good as, as what comes in. And, and the actions you take will only be as good as what, what you're seeing from the data. So let's get into the second pillar. And I think this is, in many ways, almost the million-dollar question for many marketing leaders, CMOs, and anyone who works with marketing data. And that's, how do you then ensure that you have good data quality within your organization? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think what I'll do first is I'll talk about why this is so important. Um, because... What we're seeing now at, at Supermetrics is obviously we have this kind of global phenomenon where uh, you can call it kind of the, the loss of signal phenomenon, where we are starting to see um, cookie acceptance rates on websites across the developed world drop, uh, which is which is reasonable, right? People are clicking, you know, uh, people are, are required 
to basically opt in or opt out to web tracking on the websites that they operate, uh, that, they, that they use. And as a result, these cookie consent rates are dropping. As a result, we're not seeing nearly as many, uh, nearly as much coverage from our analytical tools that we use to be able to see. Similarly, if you are used to relying on paid acquisition channels to tell you how many conversions they reported using something like uh, you know Facebook audience conversions or uh, floodlight tags or something like that, much of that is actually no longer able to be used or trusted reliably because it's actually being used with a variety of different kind of signal-based inputs, things like uh, machine learning generated conversions, um, things like kind of sampled audience, um, sampled audience insights, those kinds of things. And so what we see for customers is they end up using a variety of different conversion uh, reporting tools, whether that's in-platform, whether that's analytically based, or whether that's looking then at the transaction system of record, whether that's a CRM or e-commerce platform or whatever that happens to be. And so we're seeing that as a result of this, companies are needed to move to more statistical or inferential steps in order to understand the effectiveness of their campaigns. Well, statistics fundamentally is a science. And if we're doing science, we need to have a fairly structured approach to this, right? We need to go into it with a hypothesis. We need to go into it with a set of methods and generate some conclusions. And ultimately, that needs to be a fairly rigorous process. And it's very difficult to do science unless you have that process. Similarly, it's very difficult to measure the outcomes of campaigns unless you have that process built out. So when we're talking about doing science and doing statistical measurement, let's put it in practice here. A lot of companies are now for the first time investigating, hey, can MMM actually help us out in terms of measuring the effectiveness of our campaigns? The answer is usually yes, but, and there's a big but, you need to ensure that your company's data quality processes are robust enough to ensure that you're actually prepared for MMM. Because MMM is not going to be very useful if you don't have the data quality to back it. Let's talk about why. So you might take all of your spend, you might be looking at all of your conversions, and you might see some kind of correlated relationship. But keep in mind, all of your spend is probably going to be advertising for different products, different stages of the funnel, might have entirely different outcomes or different audiences that they're using. And it's not going to be very easy to differentiate between those if you don't have good data quality in place. So companies looking to leverage these statistical techniques really need to meet a minimum threshold of data quality in order for them to actually bear fruit in many cases. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, just listening to your answer reminds us that marketing, I think, happens at the intersection of art and science. So you have the art side, the creative, the messaging, the, the empathy, the relating to your audience with you know, how you speak about what it is you do in the world you operate. And then there's the science half, which is, as you spoke about there, the the sort of rigor, the the data, the hypothesis, the the structured approach. And in a way, it's the science that enables the art to, to work. Um, and so, yeah, I think great to get insights in terms of how you can ensure that the quality, the data that you work with is, is of high quality and that you can trust, which is what we spoke about at the start. Um, so from here, then let's dig more into the, Third part, which is the security piece, obviously super, super critical as well, particularly with the amounts of data that we're generating. Uh, you spoke a bit about there in terms of some things that we need to take into consideration, but how do you ultimately ensure that your marketing data is safe and secure? 
Yeah. So I think this really comes down to an organizational decision and is going to really vary based on the industry in which you operate. I think the answer is going to be very different if you operate in the healthcare space or the financial services space versus if you operate, for example, in the gaming space uh, or the um, kind of the, you know, media publishing space, for example. Of course, every organization is going to have some very bare minimum standards for uh, data security, but these will change based on what kind of industry you're in, what kind of local regulations you have, and what kinds of um, you know rules you, you need to abide by as a company. So it's hard to give a one-size-fits-all approach for this, but it ultimately becomes a fundamental pillar within data governance that needs to be worked with, um, with, I'd say, the larger portion of the business. So as a marketing leader, you should have wide purview over data access and data quality. I think that's firmly going to be in your responsibility. You're going to share the responsibility for data security, though, with your organization based on the industry in which you operate. So that data security responsibility is going to be shared between you, most likely your IT or your operations org or something like that. Um, and you should be looking at things like, where is our data stored? Do we have data sovereignty? What kind of data are we storing? What kind of data are we collecting? Do we have a requirement to purge data if notified about from a particular customer? What is our notification process to our customers if some kind of breach occurs? These kinds of things. Um, as a marketer, do you need to have all of these answers by yourself? No, not necessarily. Right. That's what internal company operations and security teams are for as well. So involving them early in the process to ensure that things are this secure and compliant is, by is, is really important. The marketing is no longer in the luxurious space where potentially you know, uh, your data even as recently as 10 years ago, um, this was really a huge concern for a lot of companies. Um, today, of course, it's data and there are legal ramifications if there are uh, relaxed measures find out in this place for, for many different companies. Yeah, and I think this is a good segue into a follow-up. So you spoke about the different teams and stakeholders. Who actually owns marketing data governance? Would it be marketing, data, both, someone else? Who owns mm -hmm. it? Ultimately, marketing data governance should be owned by the marketers. That's my opinion because the marketing data governance is going to be driven by your marketing strategy. And here's why. Because if my strategy is I want to rapidly experiment with different channels and activate uh, against new audiences while simultaneously keeping the existing demand coming in with a set of bottom of funnel campaigns, um, that's, that's great and that's my strategy. And I'm going to design my data access models. I'm going to design my marketing data governance around both of those pieces, all while maintaining my marketing data security that I've collaborated with or negotiated with my uh, with my internal stakeholders. So marketing ultimately needs to be the owner of this. Do I see this as a you know VP level, a CMO level, 
a marketing manager level. I, I truly believe that for any company that is putting a sizable amount of money into digital media, into offline media, the marketing data governance strategy really needs to be a conversation that is probably led by VPs of marketing, but is signed off on by CMOs because ultimately the entire marketing strategy should influence marketing data governance. And if it doesn't, well, you're probably not necessarily going to get the buy-in that you need at all levels of the organization. Because if this isn't coming from the top down, who's going to bother with making sure that their campaign naming conventions comply with whatever taxonomy has been decided on? Who's going to make sure that the uh, you know right people have access to the tools that they need to get done? And we've removed those accesses once they actually are done with these kinds of things. Um, who's going to make sure that uh, you know data is stored in a safe and compliant way if nobody's necessarily on the hook for it? Uh, or for example, it's it's not baked into the strategy coming from the top down. So I, I truly see this as a responsibility of for you know organizations large and small, whoever owns that strategy. Uh, understanding that for smaller organizations, this might end up with kind of the lead marketer and understanding that for large organizations, this might be, for example, someone who's in charge of the regional marketing. Uh, or we also see, for example, companies come to us who are global in nature, where they say, hey, we need a global media taxonomy because when we roll up and we do this big MMM exercise, uh, all of our countries are reporting in completely different ways. And, and we have no way to assess what's working and what's not. Globally, we might be spending 100 million euros across you know, five different channels. But because everybody's using different conventions and buying things in different ways, it's impossible for us to get a sense of what's actually working and what's not. So the degree to which your business is localized also is going to impact this as well. So if your business operates in a very similar way across the different geographies in which you operate, then I'd say you could largely have a very... Um, very kind of top-down approach to marketing data governance. But if your business is wildly different in each of the industries or each of the uh, the brand, each of the countries in which you operate, it might make more sense to have a more federated data marketing data governance model, where each individual country or each individual region or maybe each individual brand has their own set of strategic objectives and has their own marketing data governance plan associated with that. So it's hard to give a one-size-fits-all answer again, depending on the industry, the size of the company. But it's also good to understand that you can have kind of two models. You can have a federated model where people who are closer to making decisions on the ground are making some of those decisions so long as it rolls up cleanly to the top. And you can also have a totally top-down strategy if everything is reasonably concentrated and reasonably repeatable across the different areas of, uh, of, of operation. Yeah. So marketing would own it. But obviously, as you said, you know, data is a key, key stakeholder here. And marketing and data collaboration is often insufficient or perhaps even overlooked. I think historically within marketing, you know, we've spoken a lot about marketing and sales alignment on the B2B side. We speak a lot about marketing and product alignment. But more recently, we're hearing about marketing and data alignment. So how should marketing and data teams work together to ensure that they can ultimately trust their data? Yeah, I, I think what I've talked about is organizational structures in which marketing analysts are embedded within marketing teams. And this starts to make sense at, I think, usually around like, you know, if, if you're 
let's say your paid media team is you know four or five people. Um, I think right around there, it starts to make sense to have a, an embedded marketing data analyst. Let's say your paid media team is 50 people, right? Um, you could probably have a dedicated team of marketing analysts associated with that. If you've got you know thousands of people, right? Um, kind of having that one to five ratio or so, I think is, is pretty reasonable for embedding that analytical practice in, in the team. And the reason that we see this is because it's very difficult for teams to contextualize the data that they're that basically is being generated as a result of their campaigns without actually having someone who both knows the data side of the business, but also understands that specific domain, right? So if you talk to a data engineer, that data engineer is most likely, unless they're very in tune with marketing, can have a very different process for understanding what is a paid acquisition campaign and how does that differ from, for example, an awareness campaign? Um, of course, Edward, you and I know that you know, you're going to look at totally different metrics for that, right? <laughs> One's going to be a, a CPA, cost per acquisition. The other's going to be, am I getting good reach? Am I getting efficient reach at a CPM? Am I incrementally reaching new people? Um, that's going to be challenging if you're trying to push all of those levels of intricacy down to a centralized data platforms team or data insights team. And so having embedded business analysts is a practice that we've seen in, in the BI industry kind of coming out of operations and finance for, um, you know, I'd say probably for the last several decades, really, is having someone on the team who understands the operations and can help essentially the marketing team make sure that the data that's generated as a result of those processes is clean, it's categorized, it flows into the centralized data warehouse or whatever systems are being used to analyze it and can advocate on behalf of that team for resources that are needed, whether those are technical resources or whether those are um, guideposts like comprehensive marketing data governance frameworks or um, you know ensuring that that team has access to the you know the, the data or technical resources that they need so having that business analyst function I, I see is is really helpful um, whether you decide that that person reports to a marketing person or reports to a data person I'd say that probably depends on the nature of your company and, and your relationship with stakeholders but that's what we've seen be most effective because if, if I talk to a data engineer uh, you know for our customers and they truly understand the difference between you know paid acquisition campaigns or awareness campaigns that's fantastic but those people are super rare, right? Um, and so most of the time we see that embedded data stakeholders on those teams are usually the best way to go. Yeah, for sure. I think that makes a lot of sense. And you know, obviously you talk with a lot of folks from marketing teams and from data teams about their marketing data. So what are, the, what are some of the common challenges that, that you're seeing in the market when it comes to successfully implementing strong marketing data governance practices? So I think the biggest challenge that I see is lack of executive buy-in is probably the biggest piece, right? Because if it's not at the forefront of every, not necessarily every meeting, right? But if it hasn't come from the top down, it's going to be really difficult to get everybody to subscribe to this. It's also probably not going to be an all-encompassing framework. It doesn't necessarily need to be to be uh, useful, but it does need to be comprehensive enough so that everybody can look at it and say, "Hey, okay, based on this you know data collection framework, here's how I need to do my job." Um, if it's been built or crafted within one team to see to serve one team's objectives, then guaranteed it's not going to work very well when we bring it over to you know the paid social team or the SEO team or the organic social team, right? Um, it needs to be comprehensive enough to actually show all of the different areas of marketing within the business, online, offline, digital, um, 
you know, the other pieces that I just mentioned. So not sitting down and taking the time to craft this at the executive level is is definitely one of the mistakes that I see making. Otherwise, you're just kind of microscopically optimizing in kind of a, a smaller section of the organization. That's probably the first piece. The second piece is not having the follow-up to uh, the, the tools in place to follow up on this. So we see when companies adopt supermetrics, usually they're pretty excited about, you know, hey, let's get all our campaigns in one place and let's build these marketing data governance reporting dashboards. And we're going to make sure everything's super clean and everything's super measurable. And, you know, that happens and that's that's super great for maybe a month or two. And then after that, it's like, oh, shoot, we need to, you know, launch this campaign tomorrow. Well, what about, you know, these things? Oh, forget about it. Like we just, we need to get it launched. And then all of a sudden, hey, we launched this campaign and, you know, it doesn't really follow any of the rules that we had out, outlined, but, you know, it's fine. The, the media is in market. Okay, that's fine. And then one thing leads to another. And then eight months down the line, someone says, hey, we're going to go kick off the MMM process. Uh, let's go ahead and apply the taxonomy to our media. And then you have five or six campaigns with a lot of spend behind them. And you kind of realize, hey, these don't really fit the walls that we defined. And it's going to be really hard to categorize these. Um, yeah, that's 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 going to be challenging. Um, and so the the follow up of that, I, I think, is important. So we see, you know, our most successful customers are implementing systems to basically keep themselves in check. Where if if a campaign goes out that uh, you know doesn't meet certain standards associated with you know naming conventions or you know audiences or something like that, there's a dashboard that shows it. Right. Um, we are seeing as well um, basically centralized administration and control of who has access to the data and ensuring that um, all data access is run through something like Supermetrics, where you can essentially use Supermetrics as the interface to all of your different marketing reporting platforms. That helps ensure that you limit the number of people with administrative access to your marketing platforms and you get people access to the data that they actually need to do the work they need to do. Um, same thing with data security, right? Is close collaboration with the you know administrative teams who are in charge of IT and security and, and things like that um, to ensure that you know at the same time we're following rules and we're following up. We've all kind of agreed and decided on this thing, but keeping those follow-ups in, in place is really important. So I'd say those are probably the two main things, right? Is, is executive buy-in and also just kind of the follow-up piece, right? Making sure it doesn't become a, a big exercise that, that nobody ends up following in the future. Yeah, for sure. And I think as ever, not getting that buy-in is going to make it almost impossible, I think, to get anywhere with with implementing some form of unified marketing data governance structure. So yeah, super good points. Great to hear as well um, a bit on, on Supermetrics. What are some of the other ways you're seeing uh, people use Supermetrics, for example, to help with some of the, the challenges of marketing data governance and getting started with marketing data governance? Yeah, so we, we, we've got a couple of features, I guess, that uh, I can discuss here. So um, with data access, like I mentioned earlier, we have shared connections, which is pretty powerful. So that allows you to limit the number of administrative users of your marketing platforms and share that access pretty easily to the underlying data with the teams that who actually need access to it um, in order to do whatever analysis they actually have. So that's one really good way to, number one, ensure that people have access to the data they need, and number two, reduce the security footprint associated with what you actually need. So shared connections can be great for that. Uh, the link-based authentication sharing is pretty sweet as well for, brand, for agencies who want to onboard brands quickly. So you can pop into Supermetrics, generate a few authentication links, kick those links over to the client, 
client. A couple of hours later, they're authenticated. They have basically taken their client onboarding from anywhere to you know three or four weeks down to a couple of hours, right? Just by getting access to those systems and federating that access out to the clients who own the systems. So that's just one powerful way that we see shared connections being used. Um, another feature that we see being used is uh, a feature we call custom fields. So custom fields is a tool in Supermetrics that allows you to essentially transform your data before it goes to your destination. Well, why is this important? It's important because you we actually see customers using it to basically run their data through this set of custom fields. And these custom fields can actually be used to check and see whether or not your data is actually conforming to the naming conventions that you have set out to try to find. So let's use an example. Maybe you're separating your campaign names by underscore. You've got the market that you're targeting, you've got the product that you're targeting, and maybe you've got the funnel position as well. So you can actually set up custom fields in a way in which it's going to automatically check, is this campaign using a market naming convention that is on my approved list? Is this using a product that is on my approved product list? Is this using a funnel position that is on my approved funnel position? And if it is, great, you get a star. And all of a sudden, that kind of data flows through and it's showing up in the dashboards. And by the time you're ready to do, whether it's a last click attribution analysis, whether it's a statistical analysis or assess that campaign's performance in some way, you know that data is good and it's guaranteed because it's a run through custom fields. Um, if it's not, then you will you can basically set it up to have a variety of different tools uh, or a variety of different outcomes. What I usually recommend is saying, hey, if it doesn't meet the selected criteria that you want it to, just flag it as non-compliant. And then you can pipe all of that data into a dashboard that shows, okay, now here are the campaigns that are running. These are the ones that are compliant. These are the ones that aren't. And hopefully pretty quickly, if you've baked this into your campaign um, your, your campaign trafficking process, you'll be able to take a look at that dashboard maybe once or twice a week, and you'll be able to see, hey, that campaign we launched on Wednesday doesn't look like that's fully compliant. Let's go in and fix that. You fix it right then and there while it's still fresh in your head rather than 6, 12, 18 months from now when you're trying to remember, gosh, what did we run in this campaign? Oh, man, I need to dig into every single asset to figure out what this was. Fix it right as it goes live. Uh, it's going to save you and your team a lot of time going up, up ahead. Um, that's one of the ways that we see customers using custom fields for marketing data governance. You can use custom fields for a variety of different things like um, you know, currency, uh, currency conversions. You can use it for um, you know, categorizing your campaigns. You can use it for um, adding additional information you know, with, with lookups or classifications, but um, using it to kind of um, you know, put data governance best practices in places is one of the strong use cases we've seen for it since we've come to market with it. Um, I'd say those are probably the two main pieces. Obviously, you know, data data access is is important. Data security as well for customers that have a requirement to store data in you know a particular cloud vendor or with a in a particular region. Of course, Supermetrics doesn't store your data, so if you do have a requirement to store data, we can send that to whatever cloud environment in whatever region you need to as well. So we we can help out with those data sovereignty pieces as well. So a couple of different pieces where Supermetrics can help out um, with, you know, thankfully with uh, shared connections, uh, with custom fields, and with uh, data exports to your data cloud of choice, wherever that happens to be. Yes, gold stars for everyone. Um, and I guess any final passing words of advice on on marketing data governance? Yeah, I would say the best time to start is now um, because 
what we find is that a lot of people don't realize that the data that exists in these marketing data platforms, for example, a Facebook or a Google or a Google campaign manager or whatever that happens to be, that data is not always going to be there for you. Um, each one of these platforms, same thing with Google Analytics 4, um, Facebook only retains data for three years. Um, Google at this point retains data for lifetime, but who knows when that could change. Google Campaign Manager only retains data for two years. Google Analytics only retains data for 14 months. Um, and so if you want to actually build a strategy around statistical measurement, you need a lot of historical data. And if you want to build a strategy around historical measurement, you're going to need good campaign naming conventions. And so the best thing to do is get started, store that data, clean up the data that you have now, and then put processes in place to make sure that the data that you generate in the future is also clean. So that when you come to try to solve this problem two to three years down the line, you've made the sufficient investments in marketing data governance and you're not historically looking back for data that either you don't have access to anymore or just hasn't been cleaned or fit to your current process. That's pretty much my, my biggest recommendation. There you have it. Awesome. Evan, well, thank you so much for joining us on the Marketing Intelligence Show. Of course. Thanks, Edward. Much appreciated.
Thank you for listening to the Marketing Intelligence Show brought to you by Supermetrics. If you're enjoying the podcast, then we'd love for you to tap that subscribe button, leave a review and share with your colleagues and peers. We'll see you in the next episode.